Part 3 of my J4 report will teach us more about Maven, user interface development, and Juke. Welcome to the FooJ Podcast, all your news about OpenJDK. In episodes 33 and 34 of the FooJ Podcast, you got the first two parts of my J4 report. But on that single day conference, I had many more interesting interviews, so this is part 3. Later we will talk about Juke, desktop applications and security, but first, Maven. It's one of the most used tools in Java development, and I learned a lot from different experts who joined me for an interview. Let's start with Ixchel, who gave both a workshop and a talk. My name is Ixchel Ruiz, I'm speaking this year, so I'm super happy. I, yesterday I also had a workshop, so extremely happy, let's let amend that. So two things at the same time. Yeah. Um, what was the long session yesterday about? Yesterday was a workshop about Maven mm -hmm. and going beyond the basics. So I really believe that we have to revisit our fundamental tools. And Maven is one of the fundamental tools yes. in our industry. So I love that we get the opportunity to revisit this really important topics and, and understand our tools. Okay. Um, is there a war between Maven and Gradle? You know, I think, and this is really important, that we have choices because yeah. we don't see the world in the same way. Uh, and sometimes we don't have to solve the same things in the same condition. Like you can see I'm, I'm a consultant. So I'm always answer like, which, Excel, which is the best tool? And I will answer it depends. It dep I, I think we had that word, it depends, in every interview I already had. Everybody's going to use it. But the next thing is I'm going to say, like, Ixchel, what is the best tool? And I will say the one that you use, the actually you use, the one that you know how to use, and the one that you like to use. And the one that can solve your problem. Of course. But usually... At least in that we have a little bit of common sense and usually we try to pick the one that is not going to give us headaches. Mm -hmm. Although we do love complexity, but no. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so you also have a talk today? Yes. About? It, this is GitHub Actions. It's like camera GitHub Actions. So again, what I'm trying to do here uh, is to showcase very common unuseful or very highly adopted tools to showcase some of the small functionalities that maybe we are not aware of that can make our life easier. Yeah. For example, small details and not so small details. You know what I would like to talk about sometimes is the monsters under the bed, like the gotchas, where you're like, oh my God. Yeah, I, I love GitHub Actions. I have some pet projects, just being able to upload your codes and don't care about deployment. That's a one-time thing you need to do. Nobody loves it. And then if the GitHub action or your pipeline in any other system is okay, then indeed that will do some work for you, the repeating work. And indeed, I love GitHub actions too. I mean, if, if you want the compelling reasons, and because if we, you want to talk about deployment and release, you know that I can go on on that one too, but no. Uh, one of the reasons that I, I propose a lot of GitHub Actions is because the amount of Java developers that are using GitHub and GitHub Actions. Like in GitHub, 
is Java is still the third language most used for okay. the projects. And they have more than 20 million <laughs> projects um, stored there. Okay, so that's another index we can use next to the Tayobi index. So Java is really used a lot. Exactly, it, it's the third programming language in GitHub. Mm -hmm. So the first one is going to be JavaScript, the second one is Python, and the third one is Java. Okay, uh, good. Thank you for this uh, short conversation. Have fun today. Yeah. Thank you. I think it's coffee time. Yes, I'm totally <laughs> going to enjoy that. Thank okay, you. thank you. After the coffee break, I had a chance to talk further about Maven and open source contributions with Martin. Uh, my name is uh, Martin Mulders. Um, what am I doing here at JFOL? Well, JFOL is the Dutch Java conference. I am Dutch. It's a whole match for me to be here. No questions. Mm -hmm. I mean, I should be here. I want to be here because here is where I meet uh, speaker friends, uh, colleagues, past colleagues, current colleagues, maybe future colleagues. Mm -hmm. So I'm enjoying a day full of knowledge, experiences, memories, everything. Uh, do you speak yourself today? Uh, yes, I will be speaking at roughly 5 p.m. So I have still time to build up my nerves. Okay. <laughs> and what is your talk about? Uh, I'm going to discuss open source citizenship, uh, but mainly from the enterprise perspective this time. Um, so it's not about uh, people sitting in their attic uh, at 9 p.m. in the Friday afternoon. This is about companies using open source. And, um, well, then, then what? Is that all? Is it just your company using open source? Or are you going to give something back? Mm -hmm. That's what it talks about. And I know that in your company where you work for, you are indeed collaborating and, and giving back to the community and yeah. working on several open source projects. That's right. Yeah, that, that's partial, partially where the talk comes from. But it's also a deeper within. It's the it's the the strong feeling that if a company wants to be successful with open source, it's not only about consuming. It's about um, making sure that you understand the product you're using, uh, and that you help uh, nurture that that product and that community by by giving something mm -hmm. back. Okay. And it doesn't have to be much, but every little bit helps. And what projects are you uh, collaborating to? Uh, I myself am uh, collaborating on Apache Maven. So uh, I've been a committer for a couple of years, recently joined the project management committee as well. Um, and I have uh, uh, a few colleagues that also do that on a more regular basis than myself, actually, uh, because, well, time, time limits also apply within mm -hmm. your work. Uh, but the great thing is I do get some um, company time to work on Apache Maven if necessary. Uh, and, and in that way, help Apache Maven grow and improve over time. I think Maven is one of the most used tools within the Java community. How big is the community who is collaborating in the Maven project? Well, we, we just heard this morning that uh, Sharad said there's roughly 10 million Java developers in the world. Um, studies show that roughly 75% of them use Maven. Okay. So, well, you do the math, that's yeah. 7 to 8 million people using Maven. Using Maven? And now the question to you, how many people do you think work on Maven on a regular basis? How, uh, contribute to the open source project? I have no idea. I hope it are a few hundred, but probably not. I, I, I wish you were right. <laughs> uh, I, I think that the, the hardcore members, the, the people that put the most time in it, and I don't even count myself to them, by the way, is under 10, mm -hmm. maybe 10, if you, if you are being generous. There That's is 10. 10 People working on a product used by millions. By millions. It's like that meme where you have the a, a 
a stacked blocks and then a little block below that is holding all the others up. Yeah, the, the guy in Nebraska, right? Yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the one single person maintaining that one little library that everyone is using. Everyone's using, indeed. Yeah, yeah well, in, in a way, the, if, if you purely look at the numbers, that's also how it works with Maven. And there are a few people that devote a lot of their time. There are more companies, by the way, that now do this um, and, and have people that actually uh, put working time into uh, working on Maven. Uh, the, the funny thing is, like, um, a couple of weeks ago, we did a Hacktoberfest event at, uh, at InfoSupport. And I still remember that one of the um, participants said to me, wow, this was so inspiring. Uh, I always wanted to do this. But, you know, if I do this on Friday night in my attic, time is limited. I'm tired after a work of week, mm -hmm. uh, a week of work. And now being able to work just two days with like-minded engineers or artists, as Sonda mm -hmm. calls them, um, Look at what it can achieve in just two days. It's amazing. I want to do this more often. Yeah, yeah. And that, that really made my day. Him being enthusiastic about, I want to do this. This is great. I, I have it in my talk. Is you can learn so much from an open source project. You can learn so much about how it's organized, what technology it's using. Like yeah. For instance, if you look in OpenJDK itself, there's a whole history there of time zone records for instance yes so a, a, a source project can be a history book and you can learn a lot from how other projects are managed and developed yeah absolutely yeah how can people join for instance the maven project how does this work how do i get involved into an open source project usually it's it's relatively simple at least it should be relatively simply that's what simple that's what i strongly believe um, the best way usually is to reach out in an issue tracker or if, if a project has one on a mailing list and um, be a bit concrete. I'd like to uh, work on this particular issue that I found. Maybe you discovered it yourself. Maybe you just found it in the issue tracker. Um, how do I get started? Who can help me out? Uh, I think that's typically the best way. Many projects nowadays have up for grabs lists. They, they tag issues that they believe are relatively Easy. simple, don't require in-depth knowledge of the project to be present, but that, that, that you already have it. But um, as we look at it in, in the Apache Maven project, if you have Java coding skills and problem solving skills, you should be able to do these. Mm -hmm. And um, actually one of my colleagues worked on such an item uh, during that two-day event, and indeed, without having that much knowledge of Maven itself or how it is mm -hmm. built, the, the, the code and the architecture of Maven, he was able to resolve that issue and get it working in just two days. Mm -hmm. well, that's indeed a nice, a nice challenge. Okay, uh, thanks a lot for this talk. Have fun here today at JFall. Yeah. And thank you for being part of the Fuji podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. An essential part of the Maven system is the repository. It's managed by Sonatype, and my next guest knows everything about it. I'm uh, Jamie Coleman. Um, I'm a developer advocate for Sonatype. Um, originally, I started my career at IBM, worked on JVMs, uh, worked on WebSphere, as most people will probably know here. And today, I'm here to talk about Maven Central. So Sonatype, we run Maven Central for the community, and we have done for the past 10 years. So part of my job is to go around and make people aware of what we're doing to increase security and help developers make better choices when they are downloading open source dependencies. So security 
in Java libraries? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, today we're consuming open source on a huge scale. If we go back, say, 20, 30 years, most of the applications we had, we wrote ourselves. Whereas nowadays, 90% of our applications are borrowed code from someone else. We're downloading that code, which is amazing. I mean, mm -hmm. it helps us focus on an innovation rather than, you know, having to rewrite things that already exist or people have wrote before. But there comes problems with that because the bad people, the bad actors of the world, they're now targeting these open source projects to try and get vulnerabilities, malware inside. So what we're trying to do at Sonatype and with Maven Central is give developers better insight, I would say, into what they're downloading to mm -hmm. help them make better choices. I know I just uploaded a new yep. <laughs> version of a library a few days ago. Yep. I got the reports yep. immediately from Sonatype awesome. that there was nothing found. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, what is it checking? Um, so we do lots of different things. So firstly, everything that goes into Maven Central is scanned by our, our enterprise scanners. So what happens, first of all, is it'll get scanned. And AI and machine learning will do some scanning. And then if we're not sure, it will go to our security research team. So we have a very big security research team whose job essentially is every day to go through line by line of code to make sure there's not anything bad in there. So what we're trying to do is provide people with kind of, if you're uploading something, kind of reports on um, the health of your project. Um, so we see any vulnerabilities, any bad patterns there to try and make you and uh, make your open source project more robust and generally score a little bit higher. I mean, OpenSSF, OpenSSF created scorecards and things like that. So we want to inform people that are use, creating these open source projects and maintaining them, how to better maintain them to get those better scores. So developers can make better decisions and say, yes, I'm, I trust this open source project and I believe it'll be right for, it's not gonna contain lots of vulnerabilities. And even if it does have a vulnerability, I have trust that they'll fix that project. So like okay. um, it's amazing that all this stuff is free. Yeah. So I create a library whenever I want. This is my pet project. Yeah. I upload it. So for the rest of the lifetime, you are keeping a copy of it. Yes. Yep. So you are storing it somewhere. Yeah. AWS, generally. The company. Who's paying for this? Uh, we do. So it's something we have run for, the run for the community from the beginning. So my boss, Brian Fox, he was one of the original Maven contributors. Um, and he kind of one of the main people that set up Maven Central. Now, at the beginning, it was running in a computer underneath his desk, which was fine. As it's grown and it's grown and it's grown more, obviously, that's no longer feasible. So we run it on the cloud these days. but open source consumption is growing exponentially to the point i think this year alone or the first seven months of this year um we had something like it was half a billion or half a trillion downloads from maven central whereas we only just hit a two trillion downloads in total i think last year so as you can see we've already hit half of like a quarter of that mm. this year alone so it's growing and of course the cost is getting bigger but it's just something we do uh, for Sonotype just for the community, basically. But how do you make money out of this? Uh, well, we don't. So Sonotype makes money. Again, we're in the security software supply chain business. So we have a suite of products that will scan your dependencies to make sure they haven't got vulnerabilities, give you insight into what versions you should move to. And of course, Sonotype started its life off as a repository. We were the first ever artifact repository in the world. So that was Nexus Repo. And so we make our money off our different other projects. 
but some of that money goes back into Maven Central and you know, like to help the community essentially. But actually, I think that's a profit in both sides because you because you have all the dependencies, you know what's happening. Yes. You know when security issues are happening there. Yes, of course. So and you know, for log4j, for example, that we're all aware of. I mean, we were the first companies to pick that up because we know. Um, and the great thing is, because we run Maven Central, we have all this data and these insights. So we can see exactly what countries are downloading, what versions. Um, I think today when I checked this morning, and the problem is with us as developers, we're quite slow to react. So I think even this morning, I looked at in the last 24 hours, 22% of Log4J downloads were still that vulnerable version as of this morning. Yeah. Um, I think in total, it's getting to something like five, uh, 250 million now downloads of that vulnerable version. Um, and that's because we humans, we tend to react to things rather than be proactive. So I think, yeah, it's just one of those things that, you know, we're, we're in the business of trying to help people make the right decisions, but we're also not in the business of taking down dependencies and yeah. things like that. I once uploaded the wrong dependency. I did something wrong. Yeah. You don't remove it. No. It's no. there forever. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, the thing is, a lot of people rely on Maven Central in their build automation and things like that. And the problem is, a lot of the things, the vulnerabilities in Java are mistakes. They're not malicious things mm -hmm. that go in. Whereas if you look at Node and Python, they don't have the same kind of domain space protection. You don't have to own the domains, put stuff up there. So they're full of malware, full of yeah. bad things that have gone up there. Whereas we have that sh that first check, a decision that was made at the beginning to basically limit who can, you have to own the domain. So that first amount of protection is there essentially, yeah. and that's kind of what's helped us. Yeah, there are a lot of articles about how easy it is to slip something into a JavaScript yeah. Yeah. dependency. They are true. Yeah, of course. And then, you know, if you ever run NPM install or something like that, you're essentially running that malware straight away. Whereas at least with Java, we have to hit that line of code before that mm -hmm. malware or that vulnerability is activated. So we have a little bit, a few more protections. Um, but Sonotype don't just do Java. They monitor all the different ecosystems. We're just quite lucky in Java that we've been protected for quite a long mm -hmm. time because of the decisions that were made at the beginning. So. Mm -hmm. And then removing that vulnerable log4j, you said it's... Yeah, again, like... You it, would break everything from companies that still rely on it. 22%, apparently, 22%. From, as of this morning. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the thing. So, again, um, even though there's a vulnerability in that version of log4j, you might not be using that functionality that calls that vulnerability. So we don't make our decision to say what is and what should go up there. The only thing we will always remove is malware. We will yeah. never let... Well, first of all, malware doesn't get up there. But if it ever did, that's the only thing we'll ever remove because that is maliciously put there to do bad harm. So if I want you to remove my wrong library, I have to tell you there's malware in there. Yes, and then we'll <laughs> scan it, realize there's no malware in there. And, and unfortunately, it will stay there anyway. <laughs> okay, uh, thanks. That's great uh, information about no how this whole system works because it is there for everyone. Yeah. But maybe we just don't realize that there's a company behind it managing it and paying for it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Thanks for doing that no for the community. No, no problem. And thanks for sharing that uh, message. No problem. Here. And yeah, we've, we're very good. We like putting articles on Fujay as well. We do have a series uh, of articles about software bill of materials and some of the things that are happening in the industry around open source software. So yeah, I'd advise anyone to go check them out on Fujay. Okay, thanks a lot. Brilliant, no problem. Have fun. Thank you. Now that we know more about libraries and how they are managed in the Maven repository, we can look closer at the security with my colleague Gerrit. And in this case, I got a surprising answer to the same first question I ask everyone. Uh, who are you and what are you doing here? 
I'm the biggest fan of JFall. <laughs> and I'm speaking here and I'm so happy to be here again. My name is Gerard Grunwald. I'm your colleague, by the yes, way. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I know you, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I ask the same question to everyone here. I know, I know. Uh, you're talking here? Yes, you I have, have a session, session here. And it's about? It's about security um, and in the Java environment, which is not known to everyone, but um, it's good to know about it. Yeah, indeed. And be aware. Yeah. Um, you're a big fan. Why? Of JFall? I can't say it often enough. It's the best one-day conference. <laughs> it's packed. It's fully packed. Yeah, it's if you compare it to the at the moment the biggest conference in the U.S. I think has fourteen hundred attendees, and this one is close to two thousand, as far as I know. It's about eighteen hundred. Yeah, uh, it's one day. Yeah, just think about it. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of people. We are here in the entrance hall. Yeah, people are just streaming. It's arriving. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's amazing. Yeah, uh, you have your camera with you. Always. What is what is the goal of the camera? Uh, it's it's to take good shots <laughs> of whatever. I have no idea. I always have it with me because you never know. You are an unofficial uh, conference photographer. Well, sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just like it. It's uh, it's a good chance to take pictures of friends, mm -hmm. and then I send it to them, and everybody's happy. <laughs> um, you're for me known a lot for the Java VIX work you've done in the past. Um, is that still a thing nowadays? Well, that's a good question. I was at WJX in Munich yesterday, and we had the same discussion. It is still, to my knowledge, used a lot internally in big companies. And there is a place in the Java environment for JavaFX. Unfortunately, nobody knows about it in yeah. the public. And then everybody said, ah, it's dead. It, it's not. It's not dead. And it. it it will live for quite some time, but mm. um, I don't push it anymore. I did it for more than 10 years. I, but if I create something, desktop stuff, I will usually use JavaFX because I know how to do it. And it's a really nice API still. Yeah, people who check your Twitter profile will see a lot of <laughs> screenshots and releases yeah, yeah. continuously. Exactly. Do you ever sleep? Uh, uh, sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> because... This night you arrived from another conference. Yeah, it was a little bit tricky. So I arrived on 1 a.m. I was at home from at home. Munich. And then at 4.30, I did, oh no, yeah, 4.30, I, I woke up and left home at 5. So I just arrived at 8. You're one of those people for whom uh, sleep is overrated. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait with that <laughs> a yes, bit longer. I and while we are at the subject of desktop applications with JavaFX, let's take a look at Swing, one of the other UI frameworks within the Java system. Hello, everybody. My name is uh, Anthony Gubar. Uh, yeah, I've been Java developer for more than 25 years, so that's why I'm coming here today. I, I live also not that far from here, so that's why for me it's a conference uh, of the year mm -hmm. to go to. Is this your regular visitor of JFall? Yeah, I've probably come to almost all of them. Uh, all yeah. 20? <laughs> I, I guess almost all 20. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are a lot of sessions. Uh, which ones did you pick? Which ones do you want to join today? Yeah, I think the one that was most interesting for me so far is the one about uh, software engineering and uh, more about the concept of developing software and so on. Mm -hmm. uh, you're a Java developer. What is your main uh, task? What's your main stuff that you're building? Yeah, so at the moment, I'm uh, a bit special Java developer. I'm on the desktop side, so not on the server side. I've switched to the desktop part, so mostly writing uh, Swing applications. Mm -hmm. 
uh, you know, I have a big love for Java VIX. Uh, oh, Let, yeah, let's yeah, have true. a competition. <laughs> no, <laughs> yes. no, no, no. Um, why Swing? Why Java VIX? What's your view on this? Yeah, so I started writing Swing application in, I guess, 1998, before it was even included in Java. So it's a long history <laughs> in this case. And um, yeah, so Swing is included in Java. Uh, you have look and fails that make it also very easy to, to switch. And you can also, just at Java VIX, you can also extend components. Mm -hmm. You also have a lot of history on the internet when you need help to search for something. So mm -hmm. uh, that's why I stay with uh, Swing because yeah, there's nothing wrong with Swing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think there's nothing wrong also with SurveyFix. Uh, uh, there's no other competition. There's yeah. people have the choice and they can choose exactly. whatever um, much is their, their, their requirements. Um, Java for most people is something which runs on the backend server side. So not a people, not a lot of people use it for desktop applications. How, how do you see this involvement going on, like this Electron apps with JavaScript versus something which is built with Java? Yeah, that's a bit uh, a bit strange because indeed we're moving from desktop to uh, SaaS and a lot of uh, web server web application. But when you look on the mobile part, when you have Android or iOS, you could have website, but everybody is doing. Uh, basically desktop application for mobile. So you have a mobile app for Twitter, you have a mobile app for all kinds of uh, uh, software that could be just on the server. So you see that having uh, what we call fat client against a website, it sometimes depends sometimes on the platform. So I, I hope it will come back also to desktop to realize you have more control about the window, about the clipboard, uh, about a lot of, and at the end just have more productivity. Mm -hmm. I think one of the main advantages is also that you have Java running in your application. So that means you can do a lot of threading like stuff if you have complex applications. Is that something that you use as a benefit? Yeah, I think, so for example, I have um, an application which is a file manager, something that every developer uses. I could not write this application as a web server part because mm -hmm. your files are local, your browser don't have access that much to the files and so on, so yeah. Yeah, so there you are taking advantage of the the things which are in Java already, yeah. and you can bring them to desktop clients. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Java have very nice library for uh, managing files and so on, so yeah. uh, uh, that's using. Okay, yeah. thanks a lot for this talk. Enjoy the day here at the JFall. Yeah, enjoy also Fuji, very nice website, so look to the articles, especially today, <laughs> because then one of my articles is in there today. Is there? Okay, yes. yeah, you I didn't see what has been published today. So. See one of my articles today. Okay, <laughs> thank you for contributing to Fuji. Yeah, thank you're you. welcome. Java VIX and Swing are tools to make desktop user interfaces. But Java also allows you to create web user interfaces. Gijs shared some information about a few of those, HTMX and Timeleaf. Hi, good morning. My name is uh, Gijs Leusing. Uh, I'm just uh, an attendee at uh, JFall. And uh, I come to see new people, uh, people that I already know, and hopefully uh, to get some uh, new things from the sessions that I attend. Are but, there any sessions particularly that you're looking forward to? Uh, yes, I saw from uh, Martijn Dashorst that he's going to speak about uh, HTMX. And um, I use it for a, a hobby project. I'm looking into it together with uh, Thymeleaf and uh, Micronaut to get a very uh, small uh, uh, piece of software that I
could throw away if I wanted to. <laughs> but I want to keep it simple, uh, like uh, Sander Max said uh, in his uh, talk uh, this morning. Yeah, keep it simple. Um, so is that a pet project? Uh, are you one of those developers who just keeps on coding day and night? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm a bit... Um, uh, since I, uh, I am an independent uh, software developer, I like to uh, educate myself in my spare time as well, because uh, obviously I don't have a, a company that provides me these, uh, these things. Uh, and I found some uh, nice things and some people that want my software as well. Okay. In this case, it's for a hobby project um, that, will, that is modernizing an, a dialect a dictionary. Uh, and uh, it has to go online um within some months okay so you have some work to do yeah okay uh hdmx time leaf how do they compare are oh, you're using both well um first i was i am using micronaut to provide me a, a backend and uh to parse uh the 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 data source let's put it and uh i saw that uh, micronaut has uh, micronaut views which are uh, back end rendered uh, views mm -hmm. and time leaf is one of the possibilities to do that in mm -hmm. uh, and uh, online i saw um a speaker that already did something with uh, spring boot and time leaf and htmx so i'm trying to combine that with uh, micronaut could that be wim the blower hmm? could that be wim the blower i think so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he's belgian also, yeah, I, I saw him. Yeah, yeah. He's also the creator of uh, of some components. That, yes, yeah, some libraries. He has a book about uh, time leaf. He's a yeah. really an expert on this topic. Yeah. I don't think he's here today. That was, no, that was a bit unfortunate. Yes. <laughs> uh, are you a regular visitor of the JFall conference? Because this is a 20th edition. Have yeah. you been here 20 times? No, not 20 <laughs> times. Like the the one person in the room eh, in the, at the at the keynote. No, I think that uh, do I try to do it every year. Uh, but the past 12 years, I attended, I think, 80 or 90%. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah that's quite nice. And uh, the, the attractive thing of J-Fall is to, to, to meet the, the people that you already know in this uh, industry. Mm -hmm. I worked for um, uh, some uh, contractors already. And uh, all the people that you meet there, your, your colleagues in assignments, uh, you meet them here again as well. Okay. Another Java web framework is Vadin. Simon Martinelli is an expert on this topic, but at JFall he came to talk about another one, Hibernate versus Juke. I'm Simon Martinelli, I'm from Switzerland, and I will have a talk. It's called, do you really need Hibernate? And I will answer the question if you really need Hibernate or if there are some alternatives that may be a better fit for your application. And can you maybe already spoil a bit of the answer? Yeah, the point is there is a law, it's called Petrich's Law, I think. It's from a journalist from England, and he says, if the title is a question, then the answer is always no. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't need Hibernate? You don't need Hibernate. What's the better option? Yeah, it depends on the application type. But it depends. It depends. <laughs> it, depends. it depends. So now the option is uh, learn SQL properly, and then you can do a lot of that in the database already. So you don't need to load data and transform it first because the database already can do that. That's one thing. And the other thing, the database has a lot of features to offer that are hidden behind the norm mapper, for example. And I, I know it often people try to 
abstract the database layer because they want to change the database later, but no one does, yeah. more or less. Are we a bit spoiled as developer with a framework like Hibernate that we don't need to learn SQL? Yeah, probably. The point is also how young developers learn it. You know, they, for example, I'm also teaching at the university in Switzerland and we're teaching Spring Boot. So what do we do? We start with services, then later on we use repositories and we don't see even the database. If we don't turn on the SQL logging, we don't even see that SQL is executed by the code. And that's maybe the problem. We yeah. think, and when I learned Java like 25 years ago, um, people also tend to, oh, we want to stay in objects. We don't care about persistent mm -hmm. layer. It's just an implementation detail. But for most applications I'm involved, this is not an implementation detail because that's the purpose of the application yeah, yeah. to store data in the database, right? So we should learn SQL a bit more. Yeah. And I mean, for Java developers, it became easier with the invention of uh, Java Streams API and Java 8. Because before we tend to do like uh, imperative style of programming, like for loops and while loops. And now we also have to do it declaratively. So it's a relatively easy step from something like stream, filter, map, collect mm -hmm. to something like select from into yeah. whatever. Yeah, okay. Um, I know that Hibernate and database is only one of your big interests. Vaden is another one. Uh, is there some Vaden content today? I don't think so. No, no. I'm just, I will show an application because I'm in a sports club in Switzerland and uh, we are organizing competitions for kids already for, I would say, 45 years or so. And in the beginning, we did that by hand, or they did that by hand. So there are like tables where you can look, oh, he did like three meters long jump and you can get the points and you have to calculate the points. And when I uh, started as a software engineer, I thought, oh, that's not a good idea. We should do that with some software. Yeah, automate it, make automate. it easier. And uh, I did that in 1997. And now uh, I migrated the application like four years ago to Wadin. And this is my showcase project because there I can use uh, the superpower of Chook, for example. It's called multiset. I can fetch nested structures with one single query. And I use that because uh, in a competition management software, you need ranking lists. And ranking lists are a tree, so you need to read yeah, yeah. like uh, data. And that's perfect. So you see some Vadin, but I will not talk about Vadin. Yeah, okay. Um, you've, that's a bit the same thing that happened to me. I was working on a pet project beside my job. And that became my job. And I was writing about open source uh, libraries. So I'm now doing that even more. Is that the same thing that happened with you? You were interested in these technologies. Yeah. And now you're cons doing consultancy on these topics? Mm -hmm. that's, that's exactly the point. So as I said, I started with a small pet project, 1997. And it, currently it has, it's the fourth generation. So I constantly change it. And very often, if I'm in a more or less boring project, I need to do something new. Yeah. And so I can take this project and transform it to some new technology. That's exactly what I did with yeah. Vadin. So yeah. I learned some more Vadin with this small pet project because there I can do whatever I want mm -hmm. and how I want to do it. And this works very well, yeah. 
And how do you pick up these new technologies? Is that at a conference like this one today? It's very often at conferences, yes. But I also read magazines, like uh, most of them are German, Java Spectrum or Java Magazine. You are also an author yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I write for Java Spectrum sometimes. Uh, I'm uh, organizing Java User Group in Bern, in Switzerland. And so uh, there we have speakers from all over. Some of them, we prefer to have also speakers from our local community. Yeah. But as you may know, that's very hard to mm -hmm. get them out of their comfort zone to talk about what they're doing yeah. in their daily job. But this gives a lot of inspiration, yeah. mm -hmm. indeed. That's a nice topic. How do you inspire people to become a speaker? Being at a conference like this is really great, but it's a growing part. People can speak at jokes, but how do you convince them to, to try it, to do it for the first time? I was working for Swiss Railways for 13 years. And uh, there we have had an internal uh, software conference for Java. We still have that. It will take place in uh, two weeks. And I'm all every year invited as a honorary speakers because I founded mm -hmm. that conference also. And I always try to pick talks from there and bring it to the Java user group. And some really like that yeah. because they didn't even knew that they have the opportunity yeah. Because it, sometimes I think Swiss Java user group is very professional and we have great speakers so with a lot of experience. And if you're sitting in the audience and watching such a talk, it may scare you a bit, yeah. right? Because he does everything perfect and mm. using, oh, but my talk is not relevant, but that's not the case. Yeah, yeah. And so I always try, even if I work for customers, because I'm a consultant in Switzerland, I try to convince software developers that they should come to Chavez Group and have a talk about yeah, something yeah. that they're working on. Yeah, if people are interested to becoming a speaker, they should really just try it and contact the Juk. Yeah. I think that NLJuk is even organizing some some boot camps to, to become a speaker. So we always welcome new speakers. Yeah. That's the, the, the main message. Yeah, yeah okay. Yes, we do the same. That's it for part three of my JFall review. Some keywords for the final part next week, collections, Jakarta, profiling and testing. Keep an eye on Fuji for future articles and podcasts about development and everything related to the Java world. Thanks for listening. Give me a foo, give me a J, give me the friends of OpenJDK.